0: Welcome in to another edition of Divorce Force Podcast, and I am super stoked to have one of my favorite people joined this evening, all the way from California. She is killing it in the tech space, co-founder of Zada, graduate of Stevens University at the time, Villa Julie, and did her master's at Loyola. Elizabeth Dotson. How are you doing tonight?
1: Fantastic, Adam. Thank you for having me.
0: Yeah, I really appreciate it. I really appreciate you coming on on this evening. How's everything in your world?
1: It's going great. So living in California, um, we have great weather. So that's the first thing. (laughs) It's a little hot, but great weather. And um, during this whole COVID thing, some things are starting to open up. So I think some people are really excited, but others are really cautious. So we're just all respecting each other's space. Exactly. Exactly,
0: and being out here in Maryland, uh, slowly but surely trying to get to f- some form of normalcy. So, I uh, can definitely attest to that. But excited to have you on, and uh, you know, you are killing it in the tech space. But take me back, uh, you know, early on in your, uh, in your life, you know, what were some early lessons that you learned, you know, during childhood that have helped you throughout your career um, as you continue to succeed.
1: Oh, that's, that's a great question. First of (laughs) all, so um, our moms are always special, right? And so are (laughs) our parents. So and I know you feel that way about yours. So my mom taught me quite a few lessons. And um, one of those first lessons was to really think for yourself. So be um, aware of what's going on, but really have your own opinions to things, which I think has been really important, because it's, it allowed me at the time to leave Maryland as well to come work for this startup company in California. And I was like, people thought I was crazy. And I was like, (laughs) no, 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 no. I'm going to leave and and move away 3000 miles away. So, um, that was the first thing. So really have a mind of your own and really take some chances that you think are going to work out for you. And if they don't, you can always, you know, do something different. So it's the end of the world. The other thing that she always taught me to is, um, And I didn't realize how important this was until I, to others, I realized didn't get the same thing. And she said, in all, in all of life, you will be able to do whatever you want to do, but you've got to work really hard at it. So don't think you can't do something until you try it because you might be able to succeed at it. And so she always told me that opportunity was endless and boundless. And I thought that was really important. And what's weird is I actually thought everyone else heard the same thing. And that's not the case. So I'm going to tell everybody else, opportunity is endless and balanced, but you do have to work hard at it. And the third lesson that um, I was probably taught was, you know, always be humble, always be kind. Remember, we all come from the same place, you know, our mother's wombs. (laughs) (laughs) And so, um, but we all need to be, we're all part of a, a team. And how can we all work together? So I learned that. And then one of the things I learned from my stepfather, which is really amazing, is he always taught me, um, don't say you don't like something until you've tried it. Mm-hmm. And I think that also has to do with a lot of my positive attitude as well, is whether that's food, whether it's a location, whatever the case may be, that kind of stuck with me. And because of that, I think I take a little bit more risks than most people and also, I definitely try a lot more foods than most people, and um, I have a good time doing that.
0: <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, I love that, and having that go getter attitude. Um, why? Well, I mean, of course, uh, not every parent is created equal. But why do? you Whether it's a parent, whether it's a teacher, why do some kids do not uh, aren't able to get that uh, when they grow up? The go-getter attitude um, yeah I like, think there's well, a
1: lot to, yeah, I think there's a lot to do with um, with your environment around you. I mean that's the first thing. Are you given the freedom to try new things? Um, I know that some teachers, parents, society, it does a, it does a good job of saying you have to be X, Y, and Z, or you need to be a, B, and C. and um, my family, all of them not just my parents but all of them literally embraced each other's differences mm-hmm. and we were okay with that whether it's different music we all listen to whether it's um where we lived cuz we had family members living everywhere from jersey to maryland to pennsylvania to everywhere else but we embraced that and we were okay with that so that's the first thing is are we able to embrace and be embrace differences but also be creative enough and given the freedom enough to try new things. So that's the first thing. And then I think the other thing is how much energy does one have? You know, I'm innately always energetic (laughs) as we've talked over the years, (laughs) always energetic. And I have a really, really big positive attitude as well because of the fact that my parents taught me that you really could do anything. So I think that positive attitude, I think that environment and the freedom to be whoever you want. And then what do you really see as valuable? And what do you define as success? So when I say that, success is a word that I love because it's so many different (laughs) things to different people. I think a lot of people think that success is purely, oh, you get all these degrees. Oh, you go and um, you make all this money. But I think success also plays a role in, Do you have a family and is that what you want to be? Do you want to be the best mom or dad ever? Do you um, want to be the best giving person that you can be and you want to run a charitable organization? Do you want to be the greatest, greatest employee you can be at whatever organization you can be and you love what you do? To me, success has so many different definitions and it's what we choose to make of it, which is also part of my go-getter attitude is I can define what success is to me and it doesn't matter what everybody else thinks. So I think those are the key areas of what I think is part of that go-getter attitude. Now, for people who don't have it, they can learn it even later in life. (laughs) Um, A lot of people think that if you didn't get it early on, that you can't learn it. It does take work, as does anything, but you can gain those experiences. You may need to surround yourself with people who are willing to support those experiences. And that's oftentimes not always easy for some people, but it's adding those great people who are gonna lift you up and support you and show you some new techniques. And in my opinion too, as someone who's um, asking for these types of go-getter attitude, be curious, really be curious, ask people for help, really get out there and say, okay, what can I do? And then take some advice from different people. Don't take all of it. Just take some advice from different people and then figure out what works best for you and whatever that go-getter attitude is for whatever success you define as an individual. that goes for everybody.
0: I love that. Try not to uh, define your own success, uh, not compare to others, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely.
0: <laughs> so take me you know, through that move to the West Coast Uh, you know, when did you make that decision and how did that all come about that you were like, hey, you know, I've dealt, you know, I've made, uh, you know, did this, did it in Maryland and would have really made the jump and move out uh, to California?
1: Uh, Yeah, that was a crazy time. So um, (laughs) I was working at a small tech company in Columbia, Maryland. um, And this tech company was specifically in the commercial construction technology space and um if for those people who aren't familiar commercial construction is all of the large buildings we see whether it's heavy highway mm-hmm. whether it's um stadiums schools whatever the case may be but it's all those major buildings that we see around um the world and i really love that space i could see how our products were working and how those um construction projects were being completed using the technology that we were, we provided. And um, I was going to trade shows and I had met the owners of what was uh, Meridian systems and um, full disclosure, I ended up dating one of the owners um, for a year (laughs) and a half long distance, um, which teaches you what you're made of as well. So you have to have fortitude dating somebody 3000 miles away and really have a great communication strategy because at the time, because I'm ad- dating myself a little bit, but there was no internet, there's no cell phones. It was landlines. And so for those people who don't know what a landline is, go figure it out. But you had to have those conversations. And um, that also taught you how to build great conversations. And a time came when that relationship was changing and I'd been in the industry and, someone was in the process of either making a move or not. And so I drew the short straw, no big deal. He would tell you that I'm the one that took the most risk. (laughs) And I said, okay, I'm going to move to California. I'm going to go work for this tech company. That's also in the commercial construction technology space. And I want to help that company grow. And it was a slightly different company. It was a commercial construction project management software company so it gave me some more evolution in my skill sets. It helped me understand um, new things that I can learn about because the other company was in hardware. This one was in software. And then at the same time, I wanted to see where this relationship would go. And if it, nothing worked out, I could always move back. And in fact, I had an insurance policy for myself. And that was <laughs> I had already owned a home and I rented it. Wow. I didn't sell it right away. So lo and behold, I make the decision and I know myself well enough. I better make it fast. I literally make the decision on, I think, October 1st. And I moved like October 30th. Like it was a month. I was like, I got everything in, in worked out, the uh-huh. house rented, everything packed up. And away I went in a month. My family thought I was crazy. Uh-huh. And I literally think it was one of the best things I ever did because it helped me understand the differences between hardware and software. It helped me help another company grow and we grew that company and sold that company. It also helped me understand how different our country really is because California, and Maryland, very different States. Mm-hmm. Um, I also was living in Northern California, which is very different than Southern California. So everything helped me gain a lot more knowledge and gain more experience. That is very useful throughout my life.
0: That's awesome. That's, that's fantastic. And for those students, or even uh, you know, people transitioning right now uh, through the pandemic, you know, what was the hardest thing about moving, and how did you make it become you know a smoother transition? Because any any move is challenging, and you know, I imagine moving across the country is even challenge you know even more of a challenge. Uh, so, what advice would you give to those who are thinking about moving, uh, you know, for their career?
1: Yeah. So I think one of the, the toughest things that I learned was um, the Sacramento region is very different than Maryland. Mm-hmm. And um, I think those differences were probably the the biggest challenge because you don't have your family as a support system. And I come from a lot of different families, <laughs> especially because my parents were divorced and remarried. So there was four families. So you don't have that, that beautiful support system because nobody moved with you. You moved by yourself. Mm-hmm. So that's the first thing is try to build a support system, whether it's with colleagues at work or you go to meetups or what have you. Start building that support system because you'll need that. And then as part of that, those differences between Sacramento and uh, Maryland, Maryland is a very heavy sports environment specifically Baltimore. There's the Orioles, there's (laughs) now the Ravens and the Ravens came in right as I was leaving. I was like, what? (laughs) Um, So that didn't occur here. Sacramento does have the Sacramento Kings, which is a basketball team, but there wasn't all of those year round type sports and sports actually unite people in an environment. And that becomes extremely helpful in bonding with people. So That didn't occur here, which I think also caused some stress for me when I originally moved here because I'm like, well, how do you build a support system when your family's not here and then you don't have a lot of sports to (laughs) actually build kind of that relationship? Now, I love sports. Not everybody loves sports so that you can do other things. But now that we have the internet and we now have meetups and we have other programs that are out there, those are ways where I would recommend to anyone who's considering a move to another place. Do your research, obviously, feel free to take a chance, but more importantly, get busy quickly in building relationships with people at your, your company or organization, and also quickly find places and meetups where you can build commonality with people. And you may actually end up finding that, you know, a ton of people who are from Maryland living in your region and you're like, well, let's go talk about Maryland or let's go talk about the Orioles or what have you. I mean but find all those different meetups to really stay connected to people because that is going to help you grow moving forward.
0: That, yeah, that's, that's huge. I I love that. And, you know, I can imagine too, with, you know, those connections, you know, what was those first couple months like
1: being out, you know, in a new, in a new area? It was like being in a foreign land. (laughs) (laughs) It really was. So the sports that you're used to, they're not there. The foods that you're used to, that has changed a bit, but the foods that you're used to, not there. Um, you've got a time zone issue now. Now mm-hmm. California is you know three hours behind um, Maryland, the East Coast. And so now you've got to be careful when you call home because somebody <laughs> might be in bed already. And you're like, yeah. oh, okay. So you start looking at all those different scenarios And then um, from there, you start really saying, okay, I either can embrace this environment because I'm a little frustrated right now, or I can just cry my, my, my every night and say, oh my God, I'm miserable, which that doesn't (laughs) do anybody any good. So what I did was I turned it into an adventure and I said to myself, okay, how can I start exploring the region? I'm going to start meeting some friends and then I'm going to start exploring the region to really get to know the town that I moved to. And I, someone had once told me this, and I really believe this. I turned myself into a tourist inside my own town. And I would recommend that to anybody wherever they live, even if they've lived there forever, because believe it or not, when you turn yourself into a bit of a tourist in the town that you live, you start discovering things you never knew existed. And it got me really excited to understand, you know, the Sacramento region, you know, was the very beginning of the gold rush and what impact was there. There's a big um, government entity because Sacramento is the capital of California. And what does that look like? What does downtown look like versus the mountains? Because um, we are not far from Lake Tahoe. Mm -hmm. we're not far from Yosemite we're not far from wine countries everywhere so you just start learning to explore and find out what things do you actually like about the region that you're living in because you don't have to like everything but what do you like and then embrace those things and then you'll start meeting friends as well because you'll start running into people in different areas
0: yeah I love that being a tourist in your your own town i I love that. I mean, being in between Baltimore and D.C., it's a pretty unique uh, situation. And I'm sure there's plenty of things that I haven't explored yet that I that I would love to do. So I love that.
1: (laughs) Absolutely. And you will find hidden gems even in Maryland and and D.C. And and you would go, I never even knew this existed. And I, by the way, do that here in Sacramento. And people who grew up here go, I didn't even know that existed. I'm like, well, then let's go. Yeah,
0: I love that. I love that. Um, so as far as, you know, home Zada and and that Mm -hmm. creation, you know, walk me through that and how that all came, all, all came to be.
1: Yeah. So, um, I briefly touched on Meridian systems. So I went to work for that company called Meridian systems, which was a leading commercial construction project management software company here in the Sacramento region. Um, And I helped grow that company. So I was employee roughly around number 20. And Mm. uh, we grew that company to about 300 employees. And um, we serviced construction projects around the world. So if you think about Disney Shanghai, if you think about um, the Vegas hotels and the casinos, you think about the Illinois Tollway Authority, you think about the Ravens Stadium, um, all of those um, construction sites All use the Meridian software to construct those buildings. And as I'm going around the world, and I'm talking to my clients, and I'm talking to these, these um, potential clients, I'm starting to realize that I can manage these major buildings around the world. But I was really struggling to manage my homes. And at the time, I still had a house in Maryland, and I had a house in Sacramento at this point. And I'm like, wait a second, I can't figure out where the money is going for my home. Cause I'm completely lost. <laughs> I couldn't figure out who is doing which, um, honeydew list. Is it myself? Is it my spouse? Cause at this point I've gotten married. I mean, who's doing it? When did we last do it? When do we need to do it next? And then I started realizing that I was not taking care of my home properly because I didn't know certain things needed to get done because Cause materials and weather patterns are different in Sacramento than they are in Maryland. And I was like, what is going on here? So I was really getting frustrated and um, I couldn't find any solutions that could help me with this problem. However, I understood that something could exist because Meridian's product, this construction project management product had some of the components that I needed to manage a house. The unfortunate part is that Meridian's system, um, albeit phenomenal for commercial construction, it's overkill for a standard consumer home. (laughs) And I said, this is just too big. So I just kept looking and looking and looking. And literally I looked for 10 years and I could not find one solution that would allow me to take a home inventory of my property and my possessions allow me to manage my maintenance tasks and the cost of those tasks, allow me to manage all of my remodel projects and design projects, and then also understand the overall financial picture of my home in one central location. I was, I had paper all over my house. I had Excel spreadsheets. I had all these other things, but nothing would marry all the data together so that I could get a bigger picture of everything. So after 10 years go by, Um, And the fact that Meridian was sold. And um, I was very fortunate. I did marry one of uh, the co-founders of that company. And um, as part of that sale, we did fairly well in that sale. So it enabled us to use some of that capital to start building Hamzada. And um, we quit our jobs at the publicly traded company that we sold Meridian to. The very next day, we started Hamzada and we started first with developing the product. And um, both my spouse and I do not have development skill sets. We do have product design and we have sales and marketing skill sets, but we do not have development. So it required us to get a third co-founder. And that is one of our co-founders, David. He also used to work with us at Meridian, which was a huge benefit when you're searching for a co-founder because <laughs> trust was already built. We already know his skill sets and the three of us came together very easily. And so we started with the building of the product, uh, the design of the product, and then we start marketing and selling it to people all over the place. Very different um, animal selling to consumers than it is selling uh, business to business or B2B. And we still learn a lot every day and we're up to the challenge. We're not wallowing in self-pity when we run into (laughs) a challenge we run right for it and say okay how do we overcome this but lo and behold here we are you know 10 years later we've got Homsada it's got users in all 50 states it's got users in 20 countries outside the United States but homeowners really want to take care of their home they want to know what's going on and I'm just grateful that I had the opportunity to build this for other people and so here's where we are. That's awesome I love that and that's definitely
0: Uh, Take some gusto trying to start your own company. And, um, you know, how, when did you know, I mean, obviously, uh, companies start with ideas, but was there any point, you know, during college or even uh, your time at Meridian that you said, hey, I, I want to start my own venture at one point, or
1: I want to be an entrepreneur. So I get this question asked a lot and I love this question because (laughs) I never had a desire to be an entrepreneur. I'll be honest with you. And um, I've been surrounded by a ton of people, both in Maryland and in uh, the Sacramento region of people who were just that they were entrepreneurs and business owners. And so I was always surrounded by them, but I was never like, oh, I need to be an entrepreneur. (laughs) That was never my goal. Honestly, What happened was when the Homsada element came to be, my team asked me, what if we'd never built this? And I said, then that wouldn't be doing a service to anybody. So I said, well, if I'm going to try to to build this product so that I can support um, people in their homes and in their finances, then I can't wait any longer because I've already waited 10 years. So I might as well get started and try it. And remember, my stepdad always taught me try new things. And if you don't like it, stop. So I was like, all right, what's the worst that could happen is I can stop and not do it anymore and it would be okay. So we started Hamzada. I kind of fell into it. I was fortunate that I was in business with um, my spouse. There's pros and cons to that, but I was in business (laughs) with my spouse And he had done this before. So I'm like, great. So we're going to know some of the hurdles. I was also an early stage employee of the previous business. So I also understood the uphill battle that you have to be able to withstand and build a lot of resilience through. And um, I also knew myself and the fact that I have a lot of drive and I'm like, I'm willing to at least try to make this work. So for me, being an entrepreneur was never on the radar. But once I got there, I realized that my products can actually help people manage their homes and their overall finances. And to me, that was really important. And I got tired of waiting. So I was like, here we are. And (laughs) being an entrepreneur is not easy for people considering it. You do have to build a lot of fortitude, a lot of resilience. You do have to go through the ups and downs emotionally, the big wins, the little wins, the, the defeats, the challenges, the lost deals. But you do have to keep moving forward if you really believe in what you're doing, your product, your mission, your company. And then you will be, I guess, great in whatever you think success is. And remember, even if people don't succeed in a particular situation, then it's not, in my opinion, a total failure as long as you are learning lessons along the way. And there's tons of lessons that you will learn involved in a startup company, a big company, little company, even being an entrepreneur. And so I just say, keep your eyes wide open for anybody who's considering being an entrepreneur or even working for some other organization because the lessons are in front of you. You just have to pay attention. I love
0: that. And, you know, I had the pleasure of working alongside my dad when I was with safe management. But, you know, walk me through that opportunity and having, you know, your husband and yourself uh, be co-founders together. You know, how has that experience been? And, you know, I'm sure it's been, you know, very successful. You know, just walk me through that and, you know, tell me the, you know, great,
1: great stories with that. So um, the first part of the story starts with Meridian because we'd worked there for, Mm -hmm. I think, 14 years together as um, either girlfriend, boyfriend, or husband and wife. And one of the things that we established early on was guidelines. And these guidelines were specific to our relationship and what happened within the organization. So we set aside guidelines like, no terms of endearment at the office, uh, no touching at the office. And we did that for a lot of reasons. One, because we both wanted our careers to continue to grow and we needed to do that independently as well as together in a team. The other thing that we wanted to do was we wanted to provide respect to the other employees. Mm -hmm. If you have a bunch of people who are touching all the time in the office and there's you know like touchy feely and kisses, then all of a sudden you can actually make a lot of other people uncomfortable. And we didn't want to do that. The other thing that we did um, with some other guidelines was whenever we would go out to employee dinners or with our customers or what have you, my spouse and I would sit at opposite ends of the table because we see each other all the time. We wanted to get to know new people. We wanted to see what was going on in their lives. And so we made a conscious effort to do those things. And so much so that we were so professional, we had employees who didn't know we were married for two years. (laughs) And we didn't keep it secret. People all talked about it. (laughs) This particular individual, she goes, I never even thought you two were married. But it was really important that we created respect in the environment and um, the other thing that that did was it allowed other employees to bring in their family members and it set the stage for what everyone expected in the office. And I think it's why we were successful at Meridian is because um, as family members, we were kind of hard on each other and we didn't let each other skate by on um, certain issues. We actually held each other more accountable to our behaviors in the office, which I think is extremely positive because it shows growth among all the different individuals. And as it relates to Hamzada, we took kind of that same set of guidelines. We still practice all of those guidelines Mm -hmm. in Hamzada. I have my maiden name, uh, Dodson, and he has his um, his name, Bedrozek. And so most people even in business don't realize that we're married because we treat uh-huh. things extremely professionally. And it's not like we're hiding anything. We're just <laughs> being very professional and um, people respect that. The other thing that we do is we we as a team, John and I, but also uh, David, we know our swim lanes. And what I refer to as that is um, David focuses primarily on all the development, the infrastructure of the the, the stack that we're on the um, the environment that we are managing our systems on, our privacy, our security, et cetera, of the system. John focuses on product design. He also focuses on our finances for the organization. He focuses on investment strategy. I focus on marketing, business development. I also focus on um with uh, the word? For social media, so I focus. Mm-hmm. We have our swim lanes, and we we live in them. Oftentimes, some of the roles will cross over, and we notify the other that those roles are crossing. So, for instance, if an investor wants to talk to a female founder, then I will be take on that call for specifically to talk about the female founder. But I will quickly update. My co-founder, which happens to be my husband, who's responsible for this. If he happens to take a call from a partner, he will quickly update me as well. And oftentimes we transition those, those groups. The investors will eventually go back to John to manage moving forward. And then the partners will come back to me to manage moving forward so that we understand the swim lanes we're in. And then we also have a lot of open dialogue. The other thing that we've recognized as individuals and Maybe you and your dad recognize this or not. Um, I am an early, early, early riser. I like to get up up somewhere between 530 (laughs) or six. John is not that. He is a late riser. And that's my (laughs) husband. He's a late riser. And so his really ideal time to work is anything from 10 o'clock in the morning until like nine o'clock at night. And then he gets another burst of energy to like 12 in the morning versus (laughs) I'm in bed by 12. (laughs) <laughs> and I really do well in the morning, but that doesn't work for us. So if I have meetings with him, we both have to focus on afternoon meetings. And usually one o'clock is kind of that ideal time for both of us because we're really strong. But if mm-hmm. he comes to me at eight o'clock at night, I'm like, no, 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 no. If I go to him at like eight o'clock in the morning, he's like, can I have five more cups of coffee? <laughs> so it, we recognize when our strengths are. And when we can really communicate and we focus on that. We don't try to put square pegs in round holes. We really do focus on our strengths and how we can meet in the middle.
0: Yeah. I love that. Um, You know, that's a tremendous, tremendous amount of respect for everybody, you know, at the round table and uh, that that has to be challenging. I'm sure. Uh, But, you know, if you do, you know, you know, as I was, I would say, you know, how do you make sure you're not stepping on, you know, somebody else's toes? I mean, you mentioned, uh, a, a couple of things, but how do you, you know, what's some disciplinary things or something that you all do as a team, uh, to make sure you keep that, you know, culture going?
1: Yeah. So a couple of things. So, um, the first thing is stepping on people's toes, you're inevitably going to do it. <laughs> when, when there's a small team and, and you've got a lot of work going on, it happens. And, and you've got to learn how to process through it very quickly. And by all means, we are all not perfect. We've all um, had our issues with each other <laughs> and we've all called it out. But here's the benefit of that. Because we've all worked together for so long, we already can call that out with each other because we know each other's strengths and each other's weaknesses And we don't use weaknesses as um, a crutch or as a a place where you have to hurt somebody about. We use weaknesses as, okay, where do we fill the gaps and find help in that weakness? And that's confidence, in my opinion. That's humility, in my opinion, being able to admit your weaknesses. Um, So that's the first thing. The second thing is we ask each other for help when we need it. We're we're not opposed to that. Mm -hmm. If... I'm on a business development call and I don't have a lot of the technical knowledge. Of course, I'm going to go to David and John. I'm like, okay, so they want security reviews on this. They want this. I don't know how to do this. Um, Can you do me a favor? Can you both take first pass and John take first pass and then David, can you take third pass based on the different types of technical information we're looking for? I'm not going to pretend like I know and then misanswer questions that could affect a deal that we've got going on. So (laughs) We respect those swim lanes again. And then the other thing that I would recommend to people is when you've got certain meetings um, or certain acts or actions that you have to do, schedule meetings around those. And a good example of that is um, because John and I cross over sometimes on business development, as well as investor meetings, we have a weekly pipeline meeting to review both the partners and the investors. And we do that because sometimes we just get so far down the path with some of these entities that we forget to tell the other. So these weekly meetings give us that framework to remind us to inform the other of what's going on and determine, does the other person need to take over that particular conversation with that particular entity investor or partner now, or do we want to leave it in the hands of the individual that originally took the calls because they're starting to build a rapport with that, that entity. And so implementing meetings, um, whether it's weekly biweekly, those can always be helpful. Um, Making sure that you reach out to each other for help and understanding your swim lanes. Mm -hmm. And if you, do have those missteps. You get it out, deal with it, take a breath, take a time out, whatever you call it, and then (laughs) come back to it. Because most people, when you're in these situations where you're stepping on each other's toes, it's not intentional. It just happens. And so remember that it just happens. And then what are you going to do to solve it? And that's our big motto is making sure we're solving what's really the bigger issue. And that is how do we make sure this partner gets what they need? How do we make sure that our development process continues to improve? Um, What feature sets are we putting in the products? Why? Let's review the process. And then also, which investors are we talking to? And um, um, what are the structures of some of these conversations?
0: Yeah, I I love that. That's huge. And um, always important to have open communication Uh, is certainly important. I, I love that. So, you're extremely busy, I know, but you've also uh, been a mentor. You've been uh, one of my mentors uh, for a while yeah. now, which is uh, phenomenal. How how did you get involved uh, with becoming a mentor?
1: Uh, okay, so I love this question because I love being <laughs> a mentor and I've <laughs> loved working with you. So it's a pleasure to be here on the call with you and I'm so proud of what you're doing here. Um, being a mentor has always been something that um, I've always wanted to pass on because I didn't get a lot of mentors in my career, but I did have a lot of colleagues that I leaned on and in all my companies. And I've been very fortunate that I've had amazing colleagues to work with. So I wanted to make sure that if I could pay it forward, this is a really effective way to do it. And um, I'm a mentor in uh, three specific programs. Um, One of them is uh, Stevenson's program, The second is Loyola of Maryland's program. And then the third is ACP or American Corporate Partners which is um, supporting veterans who are trying to get into the civilian workforce. And one of the things that I did was um, I first reached out to both of my schools and universities that I went to (laughs) because I believe in paying back and paying it forward for them giving me such a great education. Um, with ACP, I kind of stumbled across it with another female forum that came into to be. So for the most part, I support veterans, but I also support a lot of female veterans. Um, but one of the things I love about all of these programs is that they have um, a programatized component to it. So understanding what the expectations are of each party, understanding of what the goals are, of the mentee who wants the support, um, understanding what steps are needed to take. And even if we have steps defined and things need to get adjusted, how is the adaptability to adjust to that? But what I found was these programmatized type programs are more effective than if you just say, oh, let's just chit chat all the time. Even with, mm-hmm. with you, when we work together, it was all about, you know, what is the best methods to find the jobs I'm looking for? And your tenacity and resilience just kept focused. And that's what I realized was one of your strengths is to keep you focused on that tenacity so that you can continue to grow and to make sure that you were also aware of opportunities that you may not have considered before. And um, that goes with a lot of people because especially as you're coming out of college, You've probably never worked in a big corporation just yet. And so you don't know all the roles that are available. And let's face it, each corporation has a different set of roles. Mm -hmm. And I'm very fortunate that I have a huge network of individuals in all different kinds of industries, in all different kinds of roles. So I can also use those um, network individuals and their skills to pay it forward to other mentees that may not be aware what kinds of roles are available. I mean, look at yourself. Um, One of the things we talked about early on was, well, you had said, I don't think I like sales. I don't think I like that. I'm like, well, are you sure? And you at least thought about it after we talked a little bit more about it and what it could be. And half the time it's always just about education and experience. But I love being a mentor because any Thing that I have, I can pay it forward and it doesn't take much of my time. It really doesn't. And people are always so grateful that you gave them the simplest little things to help them move forward in their career.
0: Yeah, I love that. Um, You know, I was a a, a peer mentor at Stevenson as well. Um, You know, I was involved in a lot of clubs. And yeah, you know, a lot of times people are looking for that extra step or yeah, you know, just looking for um, advice at times because, you know, they want that um, <laughs> extra, extra motivation to figure things out. Um, you know, and as far as, you know, some of the things that you've done, you know, what has been the biggest or your most rewarding uh, aspect of being a mentor? Uh, you
1: know, a lot of times I think it's, the simple things. And I was going to ask you this as well. <laughs> um, as, as a peer mentor yourself, sometimes it's, it's just helping someone see, um, the simple things that they're doing and rephrasing it. Mm-hmm. And, um, as a mentor, sometimes we're, or as a mentee, sometimes we're so caught up in everything that's going on and we get a little bit stressed or we get frustrated. And then just someone giving us, asking us simple questions or giving us a new direction to choose can be extremely helpful. And I'll give you a quick example of that, if you don't mind. And that was when I first got involved with ACP, they introduced me to an individual. Uh, he was um, in the military and I apologize. I forget which branch of the military already, mm-hmm. um, but he was uh, a communication specialist, which means he was in charge of a lot of the marketing as it related to a particular base in Japan. And um, he had high levels of clearance because this information that he had was um, important to put out into the marketplace, but he also had to know which information to communicate. And in the military, they have a lot of acronyms as do most industries, Mm. but he was telling me about this one thing and how cool it was. This X made J9, and I'm sorry because I don't remember the acronyms. And Uh I go, What are you talking about? He goes, It's only the coolest helicopter that ever existed. And I go, I think you just need to say that. Just, it's the coolest helicopter that ever existed. And he's like, What? And I go, The civilian world doesn't know what an XJ9 is, they know what the coolest helicopter is. And I said, We need to take the simplicity simplicity of what you were talking about and really remove all the acronyms and talk about it in layman's terms that a civilian would understand. And sure enough, he stopped all the different acronyms and he got his jobs. And he's like, that's all it took. And I go, sometimes it's right in front of us we just have to hear it from a different perspective. And Adam, I was going to ask you the same thing. Don't you see that when you're doing peer mentoring as well?
0: Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I definitely see that, you know, I mean, you know, and being on both sides, it's definitely the same way. I mean, I, you know, it was great for me to be a mentor when I was at Stevenson, you know, being a transfer student, you know, uh, I practically lived there. The only thing I didn't have was a, was a dorm. I mean, I spent a lot of time on campus being yeah. involved in different clubs. And yeah, I mean, just, you know, showing people where to go and just being there for somebody on a on a mentor level is, you know, phenomenal. So yeah, it was a good time. And yeah, I can definitely see that for sure.
1: Yeah, that's awesome.
0: <laughs> so, you know, as far as, you know, different things with the pandemic and, you know, as college students are you know, have graduated now or people who are just entering college or will be entering college in the fall, mm-hmm. you know, what advice would you give those students who are either, you know, have graduated now or are going to be entering college, you know, to to get through this time in, in their life?
1: So that's a really amazing question because <laughs> I've been very fortunate. I talk to a lot of people in a lot of different age groups, but I also talk to a lot of people across the country and around the world to hear hear what their experiences are. And believe me, we're not the only ones going through this. There's a lot of countries around the world that are going through this as well. Um, The biggest thing that I would say to um, everyone, whether you're just going into college, whether you're getting out of college, whether you're older and, and more mature, is focus on the things that, one, you can control and focus on the positive We've got enough negativity that we're hearing, uh-huh. but what is the positive? And um, I hear from some folks, um, some younger ind- individuals, they um, were living in a city with a bunch of roommates, but then realized that 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 wasn't going to be um, fruitful moving forward because everyone then had to work from their um, apartment, and there was too many of them, so they couldn't do be productive. So. Um, those individuals moved home with their parents and they were not happy about that. And I said, think about what, how much money you can actually save living with your parents. And it's almost like it hit them in the face and like, oh yeah. And so things like that. Um, other people are worried that they may not get a job. And that goes for people who are even unemployed right now. And I will say this, I have heard from a ton of people that they are getting jobs during COVID. Some people weren't even looking for opportunities and they're being recruited. Um, So I will say this for everyone who's not on LinkedIn and who doesn't have it updated, please do so. You can look at mine as a framework if you want, because I've got all kinds of stuff up there Um, and connect with me if you want, because my network may be available to you. So I put that out there for anybody. And then um, look at, what you can control. And it goes back to even you, Adam, you really had tenacity. You knew you could control your effort. And so what kind of effort can you control? Are you going to get up every day, whatever, if you want to work out, do whatever, take a shower, get dressed as (laughs) if you were going to an office and start, you know, sending out resumes, start calling people, start looking for jobs online. Just make sure that you're in a practice of, building those habits to find a job. But I would say, make sure you understand what you can control and we can control our minds. (laughs) Look at the positive. Not everything's dire. There are positives out there. Um, There's some things that aren't working out. Also feel free to, to also grieve a little bit. So I know a lot of people didn't get to go through graduations this year and feel free to grieve Um, I know there's a lot of my friends, I mean, I think you're included, Adam, baseball season doesn't look like it's going to happen at all this year. And there's a lot of people even grieving about that because they adore baseball. And so feel free to grieve, but understand that this is completely out of our control. And what can we do to change our mindset and to move forward? So I'd say that's the biggest thing is understand what you can control, stay positive where you can and build practices around staying positive and taking on the next step.
0: Yeah, I love that. Uh, Staying positive is huge and yeah, definitely love that. Um, So I gotta ask, uh, you know, being a a female Mm -hmm. co-founder, you know, what, especially in tech, what what does diversity mean to you? And Mm -hmm. how are we doing, you know, as a society with, you know, women breaking barriers in the tech space since you have you know uh started
1: out in your career that's a great question there's a lot of questions there so um (laughs) first of all (laughs) diversity to me means a lot of different things so diversity to me means Uh, Not only within an organization, you have gender diversity, but you also have racial diversity. You have age diversity. Um, A lot of people are also not hiring people if they're over a certain age or (laughs) under a certain age. I think that's um, short-sightedness. I also believe that um, diversity has to come from thought. Um, One of the things that most people tend to do is, as an unconscious bias, they align themselves with people that are like them. And oftentimes having different discussions is important and not always agreeing with somebody is also very important because that's where really good problems are solved because you can see all the different perspectives and the different viewpoints to actually solve a bigger problem oftentimes and have a more um, thorough and complete solution. So, I say that diversity is all those different areas. Um, and I think it's very important that we focus on all those different areas. The second thing that you asked was um, about females in tech. Females, so I live in California, not far from <laughs> tech central of the world. Um, we're about an hour and a half away. Um, and uh, female diversity, it it varies depending on what role you have in a company. If you're in HR, if you're in finance, if you're in um, marketing, you generally may have a role. If you are in um, in the tech part of it, the development part of it, there aren't as many female tech development staff and um, that's what we need to get to more of in this, in this world. I also believe that, We also have to take a look at um, the funding available to um, all members in diverse areas. Um, Most people don't know this, but um, only 2.7% that increased, 0.7% in a year, 2.7% of all funding goes to female entrepreneurs. And Mm -hmm. if you have male co-founders in uh, your, your team, then I think that increases to about somewhere around 18%, I think. So we need to make sure that we're being uh, proactive about investing in females. And by the way, that's worse for Latina and um, Black females. That's really, it's it's horrible. So I'm talking about 2.7% for overall females, but that's primarily white females. And so we have an opportunity not only to, Focus investment in a lot of these um, founders, but also think about um, females. They're approximately 50% of the population, and also mm-hmm. they are heavily the biggest buying power in the world. More females buy for their children, for their mm-hmm. family, and I think we are missing opportunities as a tech community if we're not investing in females, because I really do believe They're probably going to be coming up with really great ideas, but that does require additional thought. And if as um, a man, you don't think about certain aspects of what a female thinks about, then get females on your team on the investment team to actually help review these types of um, opportunities with tech females, um, because I do know that I, I saw a, a, an interview with Ashton Kutcher one time, because he does have his own um, tech fund. Mm-hmm. He also admitted that he's like, sometimes I don't know if these ideas are good ideas. And other um, investors have said the same thing. So they take things back to their spouses. So if they're gonna take things back to their spouses, it's really valuable to actually bring in um, other staff members, on their team as females. And as I understand it, Ashton Kutcher does have that on his team, um, as do I think others that are starting to add female members to their teams from a review process. So I think that's going to, we're going to see change. We do see um, individuals out there like Melinda Gates and various others who are building um, funds and tech platforms for women to find money. So that's really, really a positive situation. We do see female pitch competitions that also make it very viable. And we do see organizations, and I'm going to do a shout out to Kesney right now, organizations like Kesney that go into large corporations and bring attention to this deficit of female founders and not getting the funding they need and Kesney, um, that team has been able to work with a lot of organizations, very large ones as well, to really bring visibility, but to also help their teams understand why it's important to have this in their organization. So I think we're going to start seeing change. It's still a little slow moving. It's getting faster with the appropriate individuals like Melinda Gates and some others, but there's still a lot of room to grow, both from the funding side but also from the making sure women who are really strong in math and science do take on those technology roles of being a developer, of being in AI um, user experience and and user interface design work. So that's really, really important. And for those young girls who wanna consider that, we also keep helping them move through in that place and not redirect their attentions into other areas of a career yeah that's awesome i love that
0: and you know wanted to ask throughout your career what is something that you have stuck to um to make sure you weren't you know overlooked uh because you know you were a female and you know use that so
1: that you weren't uh passed over for opportunities um So Adam, I think you know me very well. I speak my mind. (laughs) (laughs) So I, I make sure that one, I work really hard. Hmm. I really do. I make sure I understand the audience that I'm talking to. So because I came from, I come from tech and I also come from commercial construction, which has a lot of project managers. They're very analytical individuals and they're very detail oriented. And so a lot of those individuals Even though my gut may say, this is the way it's going to be, I knew that they wouldn't receive my gut thought process. So I would come to the table with as much data as I could to bring visibility into the scenario, whether it was for me or for anyone else by that matter. Because sometimes I had to support my peers in certain areas and I would do that. Um, So that's the first thing is really understanding who your audience is And having the confidence to bring that data to the table or that communication style to the table to help those individuals see the viability of either your role or someone else's. And then the second thing is really do stand up for yourself. Um, I was almost passed over for an opportunity because it was offered to me years before and I turned it down bad move. I will say <laughs> that first and foremost, don't ever turn down an opportunity when everyone else thinks you're ready for it. Be ready for it. Cause you, they will help you be successful. But I was um, given the opportunity the next time around, but they were giving me the opportunity with all the work, but without the title and the compensation. And I went, nah. So <laughs> I had the fortitude to stick up for myself and I was still respectful in, in doing so because you still need to respect the situation. I also ask that people look at the other shoe. And what I mean by that is understand your position, but try to put yourself in someone else's shoes. A lot of people think it's really easy being an executive. They really think it's really easy being any kind of role within a company. They all come with really great aspects of it, but they also come with a lot of challenges. And what someone may think, well, this person can just wave a wand and it will happen. It doesn't always work that way Uh because there may be policies, procedures, um, some other things that, that they have to go through in order to cross these barriers. So try to put yourself in someone else's shoes. And if you don't understand, ask. Because it may not be as simple as everyone thinks it is. And there may be conflicting priorities as well specifically for organizations. And if you give people the opportunity, any executive, what have you, from my experience, they will be honest with you. They will be transparent. They will be truthful, but it's going to require an understanding by you as well as an individual.
0: I love that. Um, I love that. Definitely have that boost of confidence in and, and um, you know, see it from another perspective is always, always huge as well. So, uh just uh wrapping up here, I'm gonna ask what is you know one of your either a favorite book of yours that you know has helped over 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 the years or you know a favorite quote uh that, that resonates with you that you still
1: uh you know stand true? Okay, so I'm gonna give you two things. The first thing yeah. is if I have I love reading and I read a ton. <laughs> so if anyone wants to go to um the 10 best books, business recommended books. I actually wrote this up on LinkedIn and they can go find it. And there's a ton of books in there and love them, love, 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 love them. And so it's on my LinkedIn, 10 best um, b- recommended business books by Elizabeth Dodson. So I would highly recommend you go do that because you'll love them all. But the second thing is, cause this is my favorite thing ever, 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 ever <laughs> is this favorite quote. And um, it is um, all about, life begins at the end of your comfort zone. And what that means is you really need to really take chances and you really need to get out of your comfort zone to really grow, explore, and learn. And sometimes being uncomfortable is okay. You will make it through it. Very similar to what we're all going through with COVID right now. We will make it through this. This is just uncomfortable right now. So what is it that we can do to adjust, to maneuver, to find positivity? What can we do to know that we're going to come out the other side different, but still with growth? And I really think that that's going to be important. Life begins outside at the end of your comfort zone.
0: I love that. (laughs) I love that. You couldn't say it any better. Um, Yeah. And I really appreciate you taking the time uh, this evening. This conversation was great.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I'm so, so thrilled to be here. And I'm so proud of you. Thank you so much.
0: Yeah, no problem, Elizabeth. And uh, yeah, I appreciate it. And uh, yeah, you take care now.
1: You too. (laughs) Bye-bye.